This episode is brought to you by mParticle, the API to every marketing and analytics platform. With mParticle, you don't need a lot of SDKs bloating your app. I don't even know what that means. It's purpose-built to help brands solve modern data challenges, and mParticle's customer list is a who's who of brands such as Airbnb, Spotify, Hulu, Postmates, and Venmo. Visit mparticle.com slash decode and learn how mParticle can help your business simplify its app and accelerate growth. This podcast is also sponsored by GoCD, an on-premise, open-source, continuous delivery server by ThoughtWorks. GoCD gives you complete control of and visibility into your deployments across multiple teams. To learn more about GoCD, visit gocd.io slash recode for a free download. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me as the person who asks the geniuses at the Apple Store to explain quantum physics, but in my spare time, I talk tech, and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. You can subscribe to Recode Decode at iTunes.com slash Recode Decode, and while you're there, leave us a review. Today in the red chair is Ron Johnson, the founder and CEO of Enjoy, which is a personal commerce company that hand delivers tech products to your home. That delivery also comes with a real person who comes to help you set up all that technology. Ron is a legend, actually, in the e-commerce business, having spent 15 years at Target, making it hip, before joining Apple in 2000 to run its well-known retail stores. Ron, welcome to Rico Decode. Thank you. It's good to be here. So you have been around the block. You have done like an amazing thing. Why don't we talk a little bit about your career? Because I think it's really interesting how you move from, I, I don't know if you know this, but I covered retail for seven years oh, for the Washington that. Post. So okay, I know all about targets, hips, hipness, and everything yeah. else. And I wanted to get a sort of sense for you, just where you came from. You start off traditionally, just the yep. way I start off in traditional media. Yep. Talk about your journey a little bit. Yeah, so my journey, I grew up in the Midwest, went mm-hmm. to Stanford, Harvard Business School, pretty typical. Mm-hmm. Worked on Wall Street in the summer. Mm-hmm. Everyone wanted the big jobs, like right. at Goldman. Right, I had an offer to join Goldman's M&A group, which was pretty right, popular. Right, that's the hot spot, right. Back in, in the 80s. Oh, my God. You'd have been kind right in the middle of Michael deal. Lewis, po- Liars Poker, the whole center. But I kind of wanted to be a retailer. I just loved being in stores. Why? I just had energy. I liked the creativity of it. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like playing sports. I played soccer in college. Mm -hmm. It's fast moving. It's team oriented. Mm -hmm. It's very creative. Mm -hmm. But we forget, if you go back to the mid 80s, Retail was kind of like the high-tech industry today. It was. Crate and That's Barrel. That's where all, yes. the, all the venture capital. Right. There was no big box retail. Right. Mickey had just reinvented the gap, so especially retail was just being invented. Sure. So retail was just exploding, and I thought that's where the opportunities were. Right. And I'm trying to think, Crate and Barrel, there were all kinds of, all kinds of really stores. Really great stores. Reimagining themselves. And all, they weren't particular specialty stores, I think that's what they were called. And people were getting out of the department store era. Yeah, but we forget Walmart mm-hmm. was just a little old discount store in Bentonville sure. at the time. Uh-huh. They hadn't gone to everyday low price yet. They hadn't impl- implemented their POS technology. Sure. So I've been around a long time. Yeah. So <clears throat> you decided to go into retail, and wh- why did you went right to Target? Or you... I went to Mervyn's. Oh, and Mervyn's. my first job. Wow. Well, remember, Mervyn's had was the darling of the industry. They were. Target had acquired them mm-hmm. to get a West Coast present, to get in this new idea of promotional department stores. And I just wanted to be with a high-growth company I could learn. The idea was very simple. Most of the people going in retail were college grads. Mm-hmm. With an MBA from Harvard, I thought as, as a pretty smart guy if I put my head down. And retail had leaders that were pretty young. And so I thought it was a great path to a great career. Great career. So you started off doing what? You unloading trucks. Unloading I, trucks. I, huh? I, at the back of house, unloaded trucks, got a chance to get to the sales floor, mm-hmm. got to check people out in the men's department. Right. And then I moved into headquarters after about a year. Right. And I was a distribution person. Then I was a a buyer in boys, and then a buyer in women's, and then a mm-hmm. divisional merchandise manager. So hitting all the... Learning about merchandise. Right. And then, from Minneapolis, I was turning about 30, and I decided to go back to Minneapolis, where I joined Target. Right. And Target was just becoming big. Right. And so I joined there as a toy buyer, and then I became a divisional in clothing, mm-hmm. and then I took over the home areas. And that's where I probably had the biggest impact. So what was I, happening then? Talk about what's happening. Because Target really shifted itself really dramatically through marketing and through product selection and all kinds of stuff that made it sort of, again, the hip place to It to was. Shop. Well, in the 90s, remember, in 
All of the discount stores opened the same year, 1961. Target, mm -hmm. Walmart, Kmart. Wow. They were regional. Retail used to grow regionally. Right. And now it's different with online. But there were 10 discount stores. In 1987, Walmart hit the hammer on pricing and went to low price. They started to win. No one could compete with them. Right. Everyday low price. Everyday low price. So Target made a strategic shift, led by the CEO at the time, a really smart guy named Bob Ulrich, mm -hmm. said, we're going to go upscale. We're going to be the upscale alternative. And the idea was, in every segment, you have a premium store and a low price store, and both can win. But if you're in the middle, middle. you're kind of fuzzy. The muzzy, muddy middle. I covered Woodward and Lothrop. Remember them? Right. At so end. then the big idea I had, which was the breakthrough, people used to think of two categories of merchandise. Basic, where you had to be priced right every day. Paper towels. Fashion. Mm -hmm. But fashion's hard because sometimes you get it right, sometimes you don't. Sure. I hit on the idea of design that you could have design as a core segment that got the markup of fashion without markdowns. Sure. So we went to Michael Graves, got him to do a tea famous, kettles and different things. Famous architect, things. yeah. And that was kind of when Target became Target. What, Target, that's right. Did you name it Target? I didn't. You no, didn't, customers yeah. did. Customers did. So why Michael Graves, for example, <clears throat> when you did that? Well, we were looking for something that could be a signature with really great design. Right. And in the 1980s, he had done a tea kettle with an Italian design company called mm -hmm. Alessi that became the it item. Every hip kitchen in New York had a Michael Graves singing whistle tea kettle on its counter. Mm -hmm. Did a million of these at $150 one year. So the idea was if we're in the home area, what if you could take design and put in great design at a Target store at a real value? At a value price. So we brought out a tea kettle, I think, at $25. Right, which now, is expensive. Time, right. Well, at the time, our highest priced tea kettle was $9.99. Right. But we had to convince people, but we believed that most young families needed to shop value, but they didn't like to be at Walmart. To be cheap, right. So how do right. you create it right. a fashionable thing to do? Mm -hmm. And back in the 90s, everyone said, hey, I got that at Target. Right. It was kind of socially hip and cool to so buy your kids' clothes. So it wasn't just Michael Graves. Started with Michael Graves. Started with then Michael, then when we got Calphalon cookware to come from the department stores down to Target mm -hmm. at the time, down to Target. Right. See, we forget, there was a big change back then. Premium products were only sold in premium stores. Mm -hmm. The moderate stores, the discount stores, only had access to low-price merchandise. Or their own merchandise. Or their own. Right. Target bridged that gap because we became hip enough that Calphalon, Calphalon and different types of people started coming to Target. Bodum, you know, different people. How and that made it kind them? of hip. How did you convince them? It just well, you had to do two things. You had to say, one, we're going to treat you well. We're not going to discount. You know, we're going to move to everyday price. So I converted the entire home area to everyday pricing back in the 90s. 97% mm -hmm. of our business was full price, whereas a lot of people were still promoting. Right, you know, Even though they, weren't, they were shallower. But because we treated their products well, we worked on presentation, we treated the gondola as a canvas, mm -hmm. and we tried to make like paintings on these things. Right, right, and also the stores look good. They had they a very strong red and white look. They had the design Clean, element. Clean, bright, happy. Energy. It was a different feel. Right. So I'm not cheap. I'm cheap, but I'm not cheap. Yeah. Walmart, you feel like you're in a warehouse and mm -hmm. you do the picking. Right. Target, you felt like I'm in kind of a hip, cool store with a big cart. Right. And it's kind of fashionable to be here. And, you know, and I can get my pickles. Yeah. And so Target did really well. When I was at Target, uh, the stock went up 12 times during That's the period right. I was there. And you lived in Minneapolis. Lived in Minneapolis. Yeah. How and then that? Steve called. Yeah. Uh, Minneapolis is great. I, hard to get people to go there because of the weather. Mm -hmm impossible to get them out. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, great families, yeah, so great schools, place. great parks, mm -hmm. nice people, good community service, mm -hmm. lovely place. So you were at Target getting a lot of attention, mm -hmm. changing retail. And again, there were a number of retailers like this that were sort of down, like Pottery Barn redid uh -huh. itself, if it you remember great. how cheap Pottery Barn mm -hmm. was. There was a whole bunch of companies doing this. Why? So Steve Jobs found you. He found me. He decided if Apple was going to win on innovation, it had to control the last mile. Mm -hmm. It had to have its own stores. Mm -hmm. Now, it was an interesting choice because Gateway had 300 country stores selling PCs to the 95%. Right. And they were closing the stores. And Steve goes, I want to open stores. Right. But Steve always had great intuition. So he found me. And I was at a point I'd been, you know, basically doing general merchandise retailing for 15 years. Mm -hmm. You kind of get pegged in. I was a merchant, and right. I was always going to be a merchant. Mm -hmm. And I might be lucky and rise to the top, but I'd never get Could to be do the CEO. That maybe, was, yeah. but you know, I'll never be do store design. I'll never do real estate. I'll never go hire the people that work in the stores. Mm -hmm. So by coming to Apple, Steve was going to let me 
design, develop a retail strategy for Apple. And what, I that'd be really what did you fun. think when he called you? What did he say? Hi. Oh, no. Uh, someone called for him. Mm-hmm. And I went out and met him one day. And I remember sitting up there on a Monday in his conference room mm-hmm. or waiting for him. In Cupertino. And he was late, you know, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. And, and all of a sudden this he guy. He was busy speeding somewhere. Who knows? But he, this guy walks by. Him. I remember seeing this big knee with a torn pair of jeans, uh-huh. you know. And it was Steve. He said, I'll be right back, you yeah. know. And so we sat down that night from 6 till about 8, and it went by in an instant. We just clicked from day one. I, I love Steve. Yeah. What was the concept from your perspective? Did you did he have a concept that he wanted you to implement, he wanted, or did he no, want to No, he wanted stores. Up? And he right. said, it was so funny. He said, he lo- you know, we hit it off really well. Mm-hmm. He said to me, well, he goes, why don't you do this? It's Thanksgiving weekend coming up. Why don't you write down a little bit what you would do. How would you approach retail? Tell me about it. So I went back and I wrote up this like 10 page thesis of mm-hmm. why Apple should do stores, what they should be like, blah, blah, blah. And I get called, hey, can you come back? And I came back and at that time met Mickey Drexler, met the ET at Apple. The mm-hmm. And then I was gonna meet Steve at the end. Mm-hmm. And I walked in and he goes, hey, thanks for coming back. I said, glad to be back. And mm-hmm. he, I said, so what'd you think of my thesis? He goes, oh, I didn't like it very much, but that's okay. Let's talk. <laughs> what didn't he like about it? Uh, he did. He that's Steve. Yeah, yeah. He offered yeah. me the job that day. Wow. You know, wow. So I met him once. So you thought it was finished, and then it was funny. But yeah. if you look back, if you were to take that out, it's pretty much what the playbook for the Apple Store. So the, the thesis was exactly. It was great. It was, and what I think was your it was right central on. thesis? The central it was, it was thesis was probably one of the greatest retail victories in a long time. I'm trying to think. The of central like, thesis is if Apple was going to do it, it had to be bold. Right. It had to do something different. Mm-hmm. So when we were, I was meeting with Steve that second time, we were in now the boardroom, mm-hmm. and I said, Steve, how big is the brand? Right. And he said, really big. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, then, is it bigger than the Gap? And he said, much bigger. I said, then we need a store to be as big as the Gap, because otherwise people are going to think we're in a small idea. Right. So we look around and go, what is, where's the product line? He goes, on the table. That was it. Yeah. That was it, because we had two desktops and two portables. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so we could fit our product line in 36 square feet. Right. We went and built 6,000 square foot stores. Right. But that enabled us to design a unique store. We could create sections about what you do with the Mac, not about the products. We had movie sections and music sections and mm-hmm. on and on, and photography. But not and, enough product to really. But there wasn't product, yeah. but we then made half the store devoted to service, like the Genius Bar and right. training. Mm-hmm. And that was because we said if someone's going to switch to Mac, they got to know we stand behind it. Right. And then we put the stores, this really interesting decision, in shopping malls, mm-hmm. which everyone thought, that is absolutely idiotic. Right. Because shopping malls get frequency, and it's for mm-hmm. things you buy all the time. You buy a Mac every three, four years. Sure. Why would you pay that rent? So why? Because we didn't believe people would go 10 miles in their car to go see an Apple store. Right. But we could but maybe even walk 10 feet out of their way. Mm-hmm. To go into the mall. To store. go in. They're in the mall anyway. Right. So all they need is a 10-foot decision to walk in a store. Mm-hmm. We got really lucky because in 2000, we forget, it's only 16 years ago. Sure. 97% of America was on dial-up internet with Time mm-hmm. AOL. 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 Yeah. So they come to the Apple store, and they're going to meet somebody. What do you do? Well, there was no smartphones. You couldn't. You're starting to get online. You want to check your email. Well, I'll use this computer at the Apple store. Right. So all these PC people tried a Mac for the first time. Right. Well, it turns out we had everything hardwired to high-speed internet. So it felt great. It was so fast. And people thought the Macs are incredibly fast. (laughs) But then we let the store become basically a free internet cafe. Sure. Suddenly it's busy. It's a beehive. But Mm -hmm. that got people to try the computer. Right. Then our employees had to find people that looked a little more interested. So you'd see someone, you know, trying out iPhoto or checking out iTunes, and we talked to them. And we began to build just an incredible business from putting stores where people didn't expect them to be. It was the first technology store. So the first store store was where? We opened two on May 19, 2001, one in Washington, Mm D.C., one in Los Angeles. Mm And they were. And why there? Uh, just because they were. Because the New great. York store that got most of the attention. It did, but at the time, you know, we made. I told Steve, if we're going to do this, you can't test it. You got to believe gotta in roll it. it out. You got to go for it. So we booked 25 sites, mm-hmm. and we said, let's open the best relative site first. So we got a, just a great site in Tyson's Corner. Tyson's one of the, Corner, Virginia. That's where I was. It's one of the top 10 centers it in is. the country. It is. You know, you're going to be there eventually. I spent so, many December 24th there. 
No, that's not fun. Yeah, I covered retail for the Washington Post. Yeah, but my attitude with Steve, you know, it doesn't matter what store is first. If we're going to open 25, let's just get great locations. Right. So you had and, Tyson's Corner. And, and then... Glendale Galleria. But mm-hmm. then we opened up all the places. Short Hills. Mm-hmm. Another you know, great mall. Mall of America. Woodfield in Schaumburg was a big mall at the time. Mm-hmm. We went down to Dallas. We went across the country. We opened 25 stores in 25 weeks. Wow. And it was great. Yeah. So talk about the concept of the store. First of all, it's a cafe. It's a a social. It's a social place. But mostly we said the entire purpose when someone comes from the store is to engage. Mm -hmm. They've got to talk to a person or get their hands on a product. Mm -hmm. Nothing else matters. Right. So we got everything out of the way. There's no inventory on the floor. That was really counterintuitive, right? And people can grab stuff. You can grab stuff. Now, in the walls, but it was very Spartan. It was just computers, and that was it. Because we didn't have other products. Mm-hmm. And they were just hooked to the internet. And people came in, what do you do? It's an inviting, beautiful environment. Well, I might as well put my hands and on the product. And you used glass and wood. That, we what, did. We what used was the thinking? The what were you thinking. trying to copy there? No, no one. No one. No. The, the, trying the, to think I give it. Steve, all, I give Johnny credit for this. Mm-hmm. Johnny's, uh, Johnny Ive. Johnny Ive, his lab, he had designed these beautiful wood Parsons tables, mm-hmm. which were kind of what the products would sit on. And there was something neat about this very familiar, homey wood, this beautiful maple wood veneer that you paired with high tech. It was high tech, high and, touch, and, and it just looked approachable. Right. And it made you want to put your hands on it. So you had to offset the technology with something much softer. So the Apple store had these stone floors that came, the same things that are Florence sidewalks, mm-hmm. beautiful maple wood tables, you know, very simple design, clean, well lit. Mm-hmm. And the idea was that you'd only see in there is products and help. Right. And the glass stairways. And the glass stairways. We put them in Whose there. idea was that? That was Steve. Because? Uh, he loved doing beautiful design. And uh, we were opening our first two-level store at Soho. Mm-hmm. And we imagined a glass stair. Mm-hmm. And that was amazing about Steve. I mean, he had more. He designed that stair probably like he did the iPod, which were about the same time. Wow. But Steve was into every little detail, the fittings, the structure. He understood the engineering of it. Mm -hmm. Steve was so incredibly smart on so many subjects. Mm -hmm. That was the amazing thing about him. The, the, the genius, when you just reference it a lot, but that you had to feel like you were, you know, putting the genius thing in was genius. The idea that it was turned also out to be great. Yep. Yeah. Yep. The idea there was very simple. And I said, let's take help and make it center stage. Right. Rather than, oh, the annoying help yeah, guys. Th- don't really, hide it. You yeah. know, don't hide that you need help. You're switching to a Mac. You're going to need help. Technology's mm-hmm. hard. Mm-hmm. That's what people think. And so, just like a fashion retailer would take the back wall and put their big, right. you know, video screen. We put in a bar, and the idea behind the bar was create a place that's really friendly. Think of a, getting a drink. You know, bartenders can make any drink on the planet. Right. Why wasn't there food? We, we, we had water. We had uh-huh. Evian water. Yeah. But a bartender, they're friendly. They connect with people. They can make anything you want. Imagine we had great bartenders called Mac geniuses, mm-hmm. smartest Mac people in town, but they dispensed advice. Mm-hmm. Just like a bar. And highly trained. Highly trained. Also, all your employees were highly trained. Everyone was highly trained, yeah. So that it wasn't, they didn't feel like dumb, like when you go to a Best Buy or wherever, where they just don't know what they're talking about. So I remember the day I came in and told Steve about the Genius Bar. He says, (laughs) that's so idiotic. It'll never work. And I said, why? That's his first move all the time. Well, he was, he just loved it. his first move. But he said, you know, Ron, he goes, you might have the right idea, but here's the big gap. I've never met someone who knows technology who knows how to connect with people. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. He said, they're all geeks, so you can call it the geek bar. Right. And I said, Steve, kids who are in their 20s today grew up in a very different world. And they have They all know technology, and that's who's going to work in the store. He called the GC at the time, but the day later he said, could you trademark Genius Bar? Uh And so then we did it, and it turned out to be one of – it's kind of the soul of the store. It is. Everyone kind of remembers it, but – it's like anything. You have an idea, you got to go execute. And, and then New York, which was a big... And the, the glass cube was a big deal. Right, right. And really the big thinking deal. behind that? Well, we wanted to put a store on Fifth Avenue. Mm-hmm. It's the greatest shopping street in the world. Mm-hmm. We looked for years and years. And finally, our real estate guy came back and said, I've got a brilliant idea. Downstairs. He goes, we're going to take a spot that Donald Trump couldn't lease for seven years. It's been unoccupied. <laughs> And we get a hole in the ground. I said, what do you mean? He says, you can't put a store on the above grade. I go, we're going to Fifth Avenue without a store. We're going to go underground? Yeah. And he said, yes. And he said, we started to think about it. Well, the nice thing where we are on Fifth Avenue, Apple is, there'll never be a store 
north of it because it's zoned yes, residential. Yes, residential, right. So we're it's not the in the store. middle of Fifth Avenue. We are the first store Center. on the no Crossing. first store, right? The beginning of the world's great shopping street. Mm -hmm. And we decided that plaza. if we could create, the architect did a great job, Peter Boland. Steve loved it. We all loved it. Imagine creating a glass box that was a door that was 32 by 32, 900 square feet. Mm -hmm. And if we did that, sometime during the day, light would be on every corner of the store at some point in the day. Right. And it only took up 5% of a public plaza. Mm -hmm. Plazas in New York are all 20,000 square feet, 100 deep, 200 wide. Right. So we convinced the city to let us put in this physical presence because we said, look, we're going to take 5% for our door. Right. And we're going to redo the plaza for the city of New York. We're going to put in Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the city said, okay. And right. that became the Apple store. Really but we rented parking rent. It was like renting a parking lot. Down below. Because underground. We yeah. get the cheapest rent on right. Fifth Avenue. Our rent was one-eighth of two blocks away. Wow. And wow. we've got a signature why store. Did Donald, why was Donald Trump in charge of Well, he his, owned the building. So had, Donald owned the General Motors building right. for a number of years. And then he sold it to a guy named Harry Macklow, and then you who was our him. landlord. We rented from Harry. Mm -hmm. But this spot had been unrentable for seven years. Right. And Nobody Donald wanted didn't it. think of an idea for it? No, he didn't. Yeah. No. But, you know, he's a smart guy. But it's, you know, that's where I give Steve so much credit. That he said, He could okay. have said, oh. you know, Apple's on the top of the world now. It's it approaching 2005. We should have a big building like Louis Vuitton right at 57th mm -hmm. and 5th and mm -hmm. be a signature store. But he understood that doing something beautiful, simple, giving back to Huge the community statement. could have more power. Right. And, you know, a few years later, the Apple store is the fifth most photographed thing in New York. It's. I just was there. Yeah. I was just there. I enjoy it. I, I enjoy yeah, going fine. there. Mm -hmm. All right. So we're going to end this section. We're talking about when you, then you left Apple. What I was did. The, what, why? It was just, it'd become a hobby. Mm -hmm. I'd been there 14, no, 12 years. 12 years. We had opened stores in How many? 13 countries. Including. We were just nearing had you 400. Gotten China? Had you gotten to China? We're in China, yeah. Right. We had a bunch of stores in China, maybe like five to 10. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it just became a hobby. And then I got a call to go to JCPenney, and I said, well, maybe that'd be fun. Really? Okay, we'll talk about that. That wasn't as fun. It wasn't as it fun. It wasn't as fun. No. All right, we're here with Ron Johnson, the well known retailer of the digital age, I think. I think that's what we can call you. Personal robots will soon be a part of our daily lives. I recently met one that I think you'll love. Her name is Curry. I really enjoyed meeting Curry down in Silicon Valley. She's adorable, she runs around, and she gives you her opinion. She's full of personality. She'll make a great companion for your home. She recognizes faces, so she'll get to know you, your kids, even your pets, even if they don't want to be recognized, such as my cat named Lovely. You can communicate with her. She listens and responds with expressive eyes and her cute language of beeps and chirps. Curry moves around freely. She'll learn the layout of your home and knows to avoid obstacles like your cat. And she's a great help to have around. Have Curry check on your kids, your pets, and whatever else you want to have checked on at your house when you're away. She can keep you company, too, following you around the house and playing this podcast, which I think is the best use of any robotic device. She'll even be your eyes and ears while you're away, showing you what's happening right from your phone. You've got to check out Curry. She's available for pre-order at heycurry.com. That's H-E-Y-K-U-R-I dot com. Go to heycurry.com today. I'm very excited to tell you that Recode will be doing a series of live podcasts at the South by Southwest Interactive Festival in Austin, Texas. On Friday, March 10th, Peter Kafka will be interviewing Glenn Beck for Recode Media. On Saturday, March 11th, Lauren Good and I will be talking to longtime Silicon Valley entrepreneur Mary Lou Jepson on Too Embarrassed to Ask. And on Monday, March 13th, we'll be doing a live taping of this show, Recode Decode. I'll be talking to Tim Simons and Matt Walsh from the cast of HBO's Veep. And as if that's not enough, our friends at The Verge will be doing two live episodes of The Verge cast. All of that's happening March 10th through the 14th at the Nat Geo Further Base Camp in downtown Austin. But wait, there's more. Yes, I really just said, wait, there's more. On Tuesday, the 14th of March, I'm doing yet another live interview, this one, at the Austin Convention Center. I'll be talking to the founders of Crooked Media. Tommy Veter, John Favreau, and John Lovett. If you're in town for South by Southwest, we'd love to see you at all these tapings. And here's the best part. These are free shows that are open to the public. For all of the details, visit recode.net.
Okay, we're here with Ron Johnson. He is best known for creating the Apple stores along with Steve Jobs and someone you might have heard of and also a number of other things. And he's been, since then, an investor. He's been the CEO of JCPenney. Let's talk about your experience at JCPenney. So it was a big appointment. You went from, you started at Target, you went to Apple, and then you moved to JCPenney. What were you thinking? A lot of people ask me that question. No, I just... uh, was inspired by the challenge. I've always liked to take on big challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, people didn't think Apple could do stores. No, they didn't. And people were thinking, you know, department stores are pretty tired. Yeah. But I kind of thought... Especially it, discount department yeah, stores. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if you could reinvent a department store? Mm-hmm. And I was led to believe that that's what the board wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And I kind of got talked to about being a board member. And then once I met with them about being a board member, they said, would you become CEO? I thought about it. Steve said, don't you dare. If you want to be a CEO, I'll find you a great company. Why did he say don't you dare? He thought it was silly to go to a company that's kind of got the wind in its face, not the wind in its back. Sure, that's declining. And he just wanted me to go a place that I could flourish at. Mm-hmm. And he didn't think that would work. Because he was right. He just, was uh, he just didn't think it was right. Right, okay. And Bill Campbell tried to talk me out of it you know, a bunch of times. My wife didn't want me to go. Mm-hmm. Nobody wanted me to go, but and I did. there you go. Why and did you I want to just want to be CEO? I have. No, I just wanted to take on a big challenge. And right. I thought I had a vision. How many stores did JCPenney have? They had about 1,000 at the time. Right, so enormous, more. famous, iconic Iconic, great footprint. Sears and them are probably the two. And one of the remaining department stores. There had been 60, as you right, know. Right, right. And now there were three. Macy's. and then It was basically Macy's, Kohl's, and Penny's. And mm-hmm. then... You know, you've got a couple smaller... Like Marvin's and yeah, the others, yeah. Well, they were gone. They were on, but yeah. But it was smaller things like a Bloomingdale's, which is 60 stores. Sure. Nordstrom. There are others. Mm-hmm. But the traditional mainline department stores were three. Mm-hmm. And I just thought... I, I had this belief that while they could, they had to find a way to appeal to a young customer. Mm-hmm. And to do that, you had to be bold. Young people don't like promotions. Young people shop at H&M, and it's everyday low price, mm-hmm. and you just buy when you want, and every time's good. You need to have great merchandise. Like when I was at Target, when we went to Everyday Pricing, we got all these great new brands to come in. Mm-hmm. I said, let's just go modernize JCPenney. Right. You know, and I thought that would work. And the board said, that seems like a good idea. And I said, it's really hard, though, because that first year, when we take off all promotions, our sales are going back. We're going to drop 15%. Right. And we did. We went back. We dropped a little over 20 mm-hmm. But it was clear from the moment we business got tough, this was not a company up for a transformation. Why is that? Talk about that because you, you thought that you could just trans like it had to be transformed because it was headed down. There was well, no, no it was it was just flat. It wasn't. It was doing just fine. Right, but it hadn't made any. It, it, it was the stock price was the, the same. new digital commerce age was coming and it was not prepared. Put for it this the way: in 2012, when I joined, mm-hmm. the stock price was the same as it was in 1961. Wow. wow. So. They survived, but mm-hmm. there wasn't much growth and value to mm-hmm. the company, right? Mm-hmm. And so my feeling, they have a big footprint, let's go create new value. Did they understand e-commerce or did they understand? No, they, they were like, they were about, their IQ on e-commerce was probably comparable to others. Right, you know? which is to say low. But, you know, they because had Walmart a- Walmart was pretty aggressive. Like it so. wasn't a problem. They were actually pretty good because they had had a catalog mm-hmm. for a lot of years. So they had people shopping Online. out of stores. Mm-hmm. And so they could transition to an e-commerce thing. But the big issue that happened there is, and this is what I learned, this is what Steve's instincts told him, transformation is really hard. Mm-hmm. Apple in 2002, sales went down 38% mm-hmm. when we switched to OS X. But right. Steve understood you have to do that. Sometimes or you have to Netflix, go backwards. lots of others. Have to go backwards to go forward, mm-hmm. right? Same thing here. You de-promote for a year, then you start building back a business with a new customer, a new experience. As we went through it, it became very clear. Employees didn't like it. Investors didn't like it. The board was not comfortable. So after a year, I said, look, if you want to do a U-turn, the sooner you do it, the better. But I'm not going to do it because I don't believe in that old model. And the board accepted my resignation in April, you know, like 15 months after we did the transformation. Right. I left. I learned a lot of lessons. They went Tell on. Tell me some of the lessons. That I, I learned you've got to – well, one thing is take your time. I went way too fast. You know, in three months, we, like changed, what? What did you do? we changed the pricing. Mm-hmm. And we didn't test any messaging. And we ran a really, on hindsight, insulting television ad that got attention, but it kind of insulted mm-hmm. people who had shopped at the store and felt very loyal. You know, that was a big mistake. Um, Why did it, you do that? Because I... You wanted shock. Well, I wanted to shock the employees. Mm-hmm. Because I felt that if I didn't do something quick... They wouldn't get it. They would never change. And so I, sometimes you have to just say, this is what we're doing. This is the path we're going. 
And that's what Steve would do. He'd say, this is the direction we're going. You and know? you better follow. And, and I, but on hindsight, if we'd gone slower, it would have been better. That was probably the big lesson. The other one is you got to be careful who you work with. You know, Apple was great because people wore their opinions on the sleeve. You knew exactly what they thought. Mm-hmm. And some of these larger companies, people don't communicate very clearly. They care more about retaining their position mm-hmm. than winning. So people would tell you they get it and they go along, but then they, they leave the meeting and they just go, don't worry about that, he'll be gone soon. Right. And I had a lot of passive aggressive people on the team not being critical, they were trying to protect their jobs, but it's really hard. So the lesson is- Did you think is, about getting rid of everyone at once? Or did I, I didn't want to do that. Right. Yeah, but I remember when I came back, Saffra Katz is a good friend and Saffra mm-hmm. said, so how many of the leadership team did you keep? And I said, about all of them. Mm-hmm. She oh. was mistake number one. Yeah. Because you know? <laughs> honestly, it's not, if you're going to continue, that team's probably great. If you're going to fundamentally change your business strategy, you need a team that can implement that and who will embrace that. And, and so you side. probably would have, but I'm not that kind of guy. I like to bring See people along. Work with. Yeah. yeah. So it was a hard thing, but it's all right. Where are they now? Where's the company now? It's just sort of it's, coasting They're struggling, along. yeah. Coasting along. It's, it's, the stock is well under half of when I left. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you so. leave here, not not a success. No, I was, I was like, people thought I, it came yeah. to my funeral. <laughs> I mean, I, I, people, because I was in the middle of, I was like, yeah. not Donald Trump's press, but it was like that. You know, right, people right. were pretty angry and thought I was an idiot. You know, I went from being the retail wonder boy to the world's worst CEO. Right. And so I'd see people and they'd look at me like, are you okay? <laughs> but it was kind of funny because I, I decided after that. What did yeah, you do? Well, No, I'm very depressed. No, I, but I wasn't. I'm not that no. kind of guy. And yeah. So I decided in, in spite of this last chapter that had been really tough, I look back, I was pretty blessed. I joined Target at the right time. I joined Apple at the right time, worked mm-hmm. with great teams. I had a tough year and a half at Pennies. But if you're blessed, be a blessing. Right. So I decided I'll make myself available for a year. If anyone wants to talk to me about what I've learned, I'll do it. Right. Well, I started to get 10 requests an hour. Can you meet with me? Can you meet with me? Blah, blah, blah. And I was kind of like, what do, do you feel want? sorry for me? Right. But what? No, it was all these people, you know, VCs saying, hey, can you go talk to Brian Chesky at Airbnb? He's sure. building a company. Can you give him some lessons? Right. And can you talk to so-and-so from Dropbox? And so Drop you had and successes and failures and therefore can speak to the... To they the just team. want, you know, a lot of people, a lot of young leaders in the Valley that would love mentors. And mm-hmm. so people wanted me to say hi, and I was happy to do it. So I would take about three meetings a day mm-hmm. at the most, because I wanted to take a break too. And I just go bounce up for an hour and talk to someone. And and I discovered the energy. What I love is creating. Mm-hmm. I created the Apple stores. I had kind of helped reinvent Target. Mm-hmm. My strength is imagining, right? Right, but and here you are I, giving advice. Yeah, and so then I said, well, wait, I. Even though I'm 56, you know, I got silver hair and I'm not your typical startup guy. Yeah. I got a lot of wisdom. And so this idea came to my head, which became Enjoy. Right. And I decided, let's go do it. So, but you had also been investing before we get to Enjoy. You, yeah. you, invest, you invested in which ones? I, I invested in a variety. Of Phil's Coffee, mm-hmm. you know, I'm on the board. That's mm-hmm. been really fun. The Melt, you know, the grilled cheese thing mm-hmm. here in San Francisco yep. with Jonathan. Jonathan, we've had um, him on stage many times. I was involved in Nasty Gal, mm-hmm. you know, which was really Not interesting. Not as great an outcome. It didn't turn out well, but it was interesting. You know, Sophia. Are you still? You're still? No, no. I'm not involved right now. Okay. But that was one. Um, and then Enjoys the big investment, mm-hmm. you know, but it's been And good. what were you looking for in these investments when you were doing these things? You know, I didn't. It Mouth, was sort I think of probably just things fun that for I you, right? well things that I could have impact. It's mm-hmm. so like Phil's. Phil's is this great coffee shop based on experience. The Apple Store is based on experience. Right. They've got to figure out how do I expand. This is what, Jacob Javer and his Jacob dad. and stuff and yeah. his dad and they're wonderful people. Yeah, and they are. I love helping them. Beloved in Silicon Valley too. They are just. And also competing with a lot of a lot of internet people are investing in Blue uh-huh. Bottle and there's all, all the kinds others. of coffee, but it's kind of fun. But mm-hmm. to me, it's if I can add value, somehow my experience could apply. What do you think works at Phil's? The experience, the whole, I think it's, like... Well, I think it's the heritage. It's authentic. Right. You know, and, and you go there, people just want to be there, mm-hmm. right? They hang. And they, the process. And there's process, a process and of And it's making. personalized, and it's real, and they've got great people, and you just feel a sense of authenticity, where Starbucks is kind of like a factory. Right. Even though they don't like to think that, it right. kind of is. And some of the other coffee businesses are too hip. Too hip, you and Phil's is just kind of homey, authentic, mm-hmm. down-home, and yeah. likable. Yeah, I yeah, feel yeah, like yeah. I hate handing over five dollars to people who hate me. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it feels yeah, great. Yeah, and feels they do it all. Great. It's great. It's been fun. So, but enjoy. Start to so explain enjoy. enjoy. Really simple. I a couple people I talked to, like John McFarland from Sonos, came to me and said, "Ronnie, goes, 
he wanted to meet and we hadn't met before and he said you know how do i go to market stores don't work anymore yeah. i'm yeah. in target it just sits there best buy takes that's an a hard arm. sell sonus yeah. is a hard sell because it's complicated it, it is and best buy takes an arm a leg a foot a toe and they want more every year right you know they're expensive I can't get people to buy online. I said, just go directly to the customer. Mm -hmm. We're moving into a delivery word. Why don't you just bring it to their house mm -hmm. from online? Don't ship it to them, bring it to them and teach them how to use it. And he said, that's a good idea. And he came back and said, too expensive. We don't sell enough to be able to afford to train people. I said, oh. To bring it each products to product people, to the people. Right? So then I started to think about it. I said, but imagine in this world that's led by Amazon, which is Amazon's the world's mm -hmm. largest convenience store. It's got a broad assortment, mm -hmm. fair pricing, easy to shop. But in the old days, premium products were never sold in a convenience store. Right. How should the best products go to market? Mm -hmm. So I said, what if you create a team of employees that represented all of the best products? You know, Apple smartphones and Sonos music players and Eero Wi-Fi and DJI drones. And you took all the best, the leader of every category, you said, we're going to enable that company to go direct. Mm -hmm. You can go to their website and just say, order from here at the same price as Amazon, mm -hmm. and we'll hand deliver it and teach you how to use it for free. So when you're going to do this, you, Sonos couldn't do it by itself. It had to go across. It needed a partner mm -hmm. who could carry more than one product because you needed more volume right. of sales every day. So it couldn't be just Sonos because there's yeah. only a limited amount of people who want to buy yeah, Sonos. Yeah, so we decided what if we could create the world's first smart last mile? Mm -hmm. If you think about it, a store was a last mile and you found trained people at times. Sure. What if you could deliver a really authorized trained person that could go through the door for free? So you're combining what people like about stores still, which is expertise, presumably, yep. like the Genius Bar. Yep. And at the same time, nobody wants to go to a store anymore. Yeah, we're, we're providing speed. Mm -hmm. So today, we you can order by noon, get it today. Wow. So we're fast. Yeah. We're faster than Amazon. Mm -hmm. We're smarter than Amazon because we now teach and You can do it where? Where can you only do it? We're 10 cities right now. 10 and we're cities. going to... A lot more. So you keep inventory in all those cities. We have inventory. We have trained employees, and our employees are amazing. They're all employees. Mm -hmm. They're on. They're salaried, benefited. They're on they demand. got stock, yeah. but they have the freedom of on demand because if they're a forty-hour employee, they just set their schedule to forty hours. Mm -hmm. They set their own schedule. We match them up with customers. So we're creating the first really great jobs of the mobile world. It's not a contractor. It's a real job. So do people then go to their sites and then you yep. enjoy as part of the service? Yeah, just like Amazon. You know, Amazon started their little bookstore, mm -hmm. but then there. they hosted the e-commerce for Target and they did. Toys R Us because they didn't know how to do it. Mm -hmm. But that built a big business. And then eventually people came to Amazon.com. Yes, eventually they screwed those retailers. We have Enjoy.com, <laughs> yeah. which is kind of like a little specialty store mm -hmm. that we don't invest in, but people can buy from. But we integrate into the websites of our partners. Uh, so, so, like AT &T. so, so give me each of them. So, AT and T's our biggest partner. We're mm -hmm. kind of working with them to reimagine how to buy a smartphone. Mm -hmm. You know, so you can order a smartphone from AT&T.com and have it delivered today. Because those stores are a living hell. No, they really are. no, they actually. No, the stores are not great. They're not no, great. No, they're, they're better than you think. They, no, I just was in one. I think they're much better than you think. Yeah, okay. But I do. But at the end of the day, the stores. Were I drinking? It would have been better. But, but no. But know. if you think of what's AT and T's number one issue, what do they do? Mm -hmm. It's not about the phone. Mm -hmm. It's about the network and what you do on the phone. Like right, right now, exactly. they bought DirecTV. Mm -hmm. They're a media company. They're trying to change how we watch television. Mm -hmm. Well, if they just ship a product online and it lands somewhere. Your phone, yeah. It's like, like, like what thud, do I do with it? What like do I do Amazon with it? would deliver it. No, mm -hmm. just a box. Right. You don't get to talk to them about DirecTV. Right. So once every two years, you got to take the time to have a conversation about everything new you can do on your phone. Mm -hmm. That's what you did in a store. That's what a smart last mile can do. Mm-hmm. So there are certain products for which it's more important to deliver a person with the product than to just deliver a product. Mm -hmm. Think of Apple. You know, they got all these services. That's their biggest growth segment. Wouldn't it be great to talk to them about Apple Pay? Let's sit in your kitchen and load all your credit cards. And now, let's you, make do you have sure Apple as a client? We do Apple as a client on, wow. on Enjoy.com. We're not mm -hmm. talking integration with them. Mm -hmm. But uh, they're a partner. Sonos is a partner, DJI, and then we do all these cool startups like the June Oven, mm -hmm. you might know. No, I know them. They're and fascinating. And uh, Navdi, you know, mm -hmm. turn by turn. And Magic Leap's a big partner. I spent mm -hmm. a lot of time down in Florida with Roni and the team. They're not launching yet. No. But so we're trying to help in the greatest 
And the latest. And the so these are products that people do need extra help with too. That they do need to be introduced. They do, to. but and then say with AT and T, you can upsell them on other things. Yeah, but even your smartphone, people need help. Yeah, absolutely. People don't know how to connect it to their Sonos. They mm -hmm. don't know how to do their Bluetooth in the car. So what do you? Do? So this is free. It's how do free. you make money? Well, we just the manufacturers give us a fee for every delivery we do. I see. So you get a vague. Yeah, essential. we get a little. Yeah, and what happens though because it's so expensive to sell through a store because the store has to pay rent and depreciation. All those people, you're not busy. Mm -hmm. We're a lot cheaper than a store. I see. So but they then can make what's that. amazing? Our smart last mile starts to make money for the manufacturer because nobody returns anything when it's set up and working. I see. They save and returns. Nobody calls the call center because they talk to us. Mm -hmm. There's no fraud because we're face to face. Mm -hmm. Your credit card fees are lower. And if you finding buy it. qualified people to do this? Piece of cake. There are 20 million people in the mobile economy. More people work in the mobile economy than work in stores. Right. And, so, and they 15, don't want to work in stores. Well, yeah, yeah. They, they want to work, they want freedom. Right. Right. But they're all working kind of not so good jobs. So if you've been working in an Apple store forever, it might be fun to make your neighborhood your store versus the physical store you work so in. So how much money, you've raised $30 million, is that no, right? No, 80, I think 80. 80 now, 80 now, I thought it was 30. So, and that's from all kinds of people. And where do you imagine it going, that you could do this with everything? Well, you know, we're starting in electronics, mm -hmm. like Amazon started in books, right? Mm -hmm. And we're proving our model. We're two years Where else it. could you go? Anything. Fashion, mm -hmm. beauty, banking. Oh, bring in, bring in a bunch of pants. Wellness. Mm -hmm. No, think of it, any place where your purchase counts, and you want to reinvent the experience. Mm -hmm. So we a store in your home is what Could you're be a store in your home. Which but, used to, people used to do, do that, trunk but, shows. Do you remember But those? it only works for the premier products. Mm -hmm. If you're into low-priced products, there's not enough margin or right. volume. You don't need help with your paper And they don't tells. need it. But if right. you think about it, if you're a premier brand, think of Apple. They take pride in thinking it through the entire way, from the manufacturing to the customer experience. Right, and to the box. To yeah, and they're not going to want the thud. Mm -hmm. And so if you're a premier company, you got to figure out how do I compete? Well, we're a lot cheaper than a physical store, mm -hmm. so you're always better off than going to the store. And by moving service from where you buy to where you use, you change the game. So how do you prevent these companies from doing it themselves? Well, if they want to, they should go ahead and do it, but yeah. it's really hard. Yeah, that's interesting because in food, there's a lot of this going on where like premier restaurants right. are using, there's all kinds of services. Delivery service. But, Delivery. They're all, but remember, they're all dumb delivery. Mm -hmm. I mean, all of them are basically disrupting delivery. Right. We are personal commerce. We're delivering a person with the product to provide help. Mm -hmm. There's a big distinction. No one understands it. We're a smart last mile. In a world of dumb last. FedEx is the Pony Express, and it's dumb. Mm -hmm. I mean, in today's world, FedEx is And slow. here it is. It may get stolen. We're dropping it off. All that. And, you know, it's like a phone. It's probably the most expensive purchase many people make all year. Mm -hmm. It matters. So when you talk about the idea of the Pony Express, that's an interesting concept, like the that it's just that people want more. You do have – this can only be on high-end purchases, right? Or that's people all we care money. about. But if you look right. at the industry we're in, right. the top – Market share player has 40% of most categories. Such as? Like drones, drones 60%. Like DJI, right. uh, Apple had 90% of the iPod. Right. AT&T has 33% of the smartphone market. Apple has 40% of the smartphone. So if you represent the best, So you could go to, into these te Samsung televisions. You could go into a lot of things. A lot of products you could go into, Right, yep. but you wouldn't say work for, would you work for Best Buy or not? No, no never. Not only for the manufacturers. Manufacturers, right. See, what we're trying to do, remember the world's going to Amazon. Mm-hmm. Think about Amazon. Which we're going to talk about next. Yeah. It is, but in 22 years, they've built an $80 billion e-commerce business. Mm -hmm. And it's disrupted the heck out of the Everything. industry. In the next three years, they're going to add $80 billion more. Mm -hmm. So Someone has to... If, you're 20, if they're 20% of your business today, it's going to be 40 in three years. Right. At some point, that's a problem. And you need to reach the consumer. You need to find it. And so the, what are your options? Stores. You, you can open stores, but there are no stores that sell electronics but Best Buy. Mm -hmm. And they're expensive. So you got to figure And not out, a good experience. Yeah, so how do I go direct? In theory, people all go to the manufacturer's site to look at which product mm -hmm. model do I want. Mm -hmm. Why not just take them right from the homepage to the customer's home? Mm -hmm. That's what we enable because we compete on today. We're faster than going to a store. You can get it from us faster. You can probably arrange to go to the store. And it's a better experience. And we give help. And we give as much help as the customer wants. They get to pick how much help they want. Right, exactly. So, so what's not to like? It's so, free, it's fast. So you make money on these, like, as you expand category after category. So yeah, really, you're product. a service business. We're like a service. We are, we are a high-touch like experience. We're like an experience a, business. Yeah. You know, we deliver experiences. A smart butler. Yeah, right. and we've got unbelievable NPS. We have the highest NPS ever what's measured. What's that? What is NPS? A net promoter score, mm -hmm. where customers tell you, give you oh, a right. Yes, that's right, yeah. We're the highest 
organization I believe ever measured. Mm-hmm. And you could judge your people on reputation and the Just skills. like Uber, we get feedback from every customer, from every customer, what their grades are, what they thought of the person, mm-hmm. and they always mention them by what name. What products so. would you love to get? Could you? What, what, would you think that wouldn't be Oh, impossible? I think we can get... I can think furniture. I could think... No, no, no. I, I just think... Right now, I just want to... Electronics. I just want to learn and do it well with electronics. It's, electronics. You know, the whole connected home is a wonderful dream. It'd be great, mm-hmm. but it's hard. Mm-hmm. Most people don't know how to do it. Right. You know? No, nobody does. But we're going through doors. And mm-hmm. so we set up Sonos, and we tune their room, and mm-hmm. we introduce them to digital music and show them subscriptions. And they do multi-room, and it changes their lives. And it's really Yeah. You know, I just had do. a similar experience just putting it a TV, and Best Buy put it in the thing, and I still had 90 questions afterwards, and not, and I'm pretty savvy. And, it was, and you're sa- everyone. Oh, it was worth every penny. It cost a lot of money for them to put it in. but Ours it was, is free. Oh, all right. Well, next time. That's like, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, ama- amazing. Think, imagine you can buy a product. Have it delivered anywhere you want, your home, your office, Phil's Coffee, today by a really smart, trained person for free. And installation, too? And we'll do all the install for the product that you need. Mm-hmm. Now, we stay away from heavy install. We try right, to stay right. away in from the wires right. so we're not doing TVs yet. Right. But most of our products are mobile. It's like a smartphone. Right. And how you do know? you work this? And how do you work and it? drones so, must be an interest. How do you drones? find people who know to use drones? Oh, all our people. Do you find people. like an 11-year-old? No, it's our favorite product. But yeah. So when you have a drone visit, we take you to your neighbor park, mm-hmm. and within 20 minutes, you're flying your drone. Right. And you're just sitting there learning. People how to need do it. that because they basically ruin these drones. You can break them easy, yeah. easily. My, yeah, but it's head. really, but it's fun for employees. Yeah, so they can do that. Yeah. All right, so you you've raised all this money, and you're just going to keep just building it out, correct? We're just slowly, and not slowly, but we're just mm-hmm. going to be really methodical. Because you don't want to be really owned by anyone, because you want to use lots of products. Like you, if you, I just want to build a great company. Mm-hmm. Well, Amazon could actually buy it. We I'm care about two things. We want to create great jobs mm-hmm. and reinvent personal service in a digital world. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, when we get back, we're going to talk about Amazon, the impact of where online retail is going, because it's sure. really shifting rather quickly. Um, it seems as if Amazon's dominating everything, but you may have some other thoughts. Yeah. We're here with Ron Johnson. He's one of the creators of the Apple stores. He worked at JCPenney, Target, and now he has a new company called Enjoy, which is personal service of right now electronic goods, but other things, that last mile store. This episode is brought to you by MParticle, the operating system for mobile marketing and analytics tools. Success as a content or commerce company these days requires you to have a great mobile experience, but the operational complexity is enormous. Legacy web solutions don't work for mobile, and native tools require lengthy integrations, which mean a lot of overhead, risk, and complexity. That's why you need modern data infrastructure built for the mobile era, where APIs are becoming the primary storefront for brands. MParticle makes it simple to collect data once and integrate all of the tools required to run your mobile business successfully at scale. To learn more, visit mparticle.com slash decode. This podcast is also brought to you by GoCD, the on-premise open-source continuous delivery server created by ThoughtWorks. With GoCD's comprehensive pipeline modeling, you can model complex workflows for multiple teams with ease. And GoCD's value stream map lets you track a change from commit to deploy at a glance. GoCD's real power is the visibility it provides over your end-to-end workflow, so get complete control of and visibility into your deployments across multiple teams. Say goodbye to deployment panic and hello to consistent, predictable deliveries. To learn more about GoCD, visit gocd.io slash recode for a free download. Commercial support and enterprise add-ons, including disaster recovery, are available. Okay, we're here with Ron Johnson, who was is best known probably for creating the Apple stores, but and among along with Steve Jobs, who you might have heard of. And also a bunch of other things. This new company is called Enjoy, which is sort of doing last mile stores because delivery and online home delivery have become so important mm-hmm. to consumers. I think I, I can't re- remember the last time I've been in a store. I do everything yeah. via Amazon. That's pretty much it. You're right? not alone. And sometimes every now and then I'm in a store because uh, right. I'm interested in looking at things. But w- talk about that concept of what's happening. Because you're doing something that's going to taking what's already a trend, which is everybody mm-hmm. likes things delivered at home, and you're adding a special thing to it, which is lacking, mm-hmm. is that the box drops on your on your front porch, mm-hmm. and if as long as someone doesn't steal it, you just get it, you open it up, you collect boxes essentially. Yeah. Talk about where it's going. Is that is that yeah, just never going to change again? Is, yeah, well, is retail over? Well, no, because retail is still. The majority of places we buy, ninety mm-hmm. percent plus, is bought in stores. Mm-hmm. But retail's got to wake up and figure out how to get people back in the stores. So how do you do that? Because the online business is a bad business. You can't make money. Mm-hmm. You think about it. You price it at the same as you price in the store. 
But now you got to do all the logistics. Right. In the store, the customer does the logistics. Right. They drive to the store. They do the last mile. They look around. They, they do the picking. Mm -hmm. They bring it to the register, and you transact. That's much more profitable than having to do all that work for them, right? And so the problem is so many of these retailers said, oh, to compete with Amazon, i got to figure out how to get online. Right. So they invest money to online. Well, that's nice to do, but the more you sell online, the less people come to your store. When people buy online, they only buy what they need today. Right. When they go to store, you buy what you need, but you pick up something else. You see something. Yeah. And you buy something else. You get a higher there's average transaction. A, there's not great merchandising online. That's what I used to always talk yeah. to Jeff Bezos about. I'm like, you can't merchandise online. Really they can hard. offer you suggestions, and they can say, if you bought this. I've never done that. Like, right. It's really but that's where I think online is the most amazing convenience. Right. Amazon's the, the world's largest convenience store. They make it really easy to buy something you need with Alexa. It's easier all the time. Mm -hmm. But that's a part of what we buy. There are a lot of things for which the purchase matters, right? And that's where the stores can win. You know, so if you go to Stanford Shopping Center now, you can't even park. Right. You know, everything's reinvented. Uh, a mall has become a place where you, you go for your life. You go ride your go to your soul cycle class, you eat mm -hmm. at all these fancy new restaurants. Right. The stores are interesting, it's kind of an experience. You'll drive further. So retail's got to reinvent that so experience. So talk about the things they have to do. So they make they put soul cycle mm -hmm. things where you have to physically be, although there's Peloton, you don't have to go anywhere. You just yeah, have to leave your house. Yeah, they're in the mall too. Yeah, they yeah. are, that's true. No, they're but in I that think mall. the big thing, here's what I think. If I were running, Walmart, I think it's going to give Amazon a run for its money. Okay, tell me why. Because they keep, well, they, everyone they keeps earn, saying that. Well, they earn five. They earn fifteen billion a year. Amazon earns three. Right. They got more cash. Yeah. They've got the physical footprint, which is like a warehouse network, right? Mm -hmm. They've got a large customer base. They have access to all the merchandise. They can price lower than Amazon if they want to, because mm -hmm. they got a lower cost structure, right? And so Walmart could compete really hard. So it's interesting to contemplate. To me, Amazon has this program called Prime. That locks people in, and Which they have a lot love. of benefits. Ninety-nine okay. bucks, and they add services all the time, and that gets you such incredible loyalty. You always buy from them. Imagine if Walmart had its equivalent of Walmart Prime. So why has? But it offered benefits online and in store. Every time you come to the store, you get free food. Right. You get a discount on your purchases. You develop all these benefits. So why hasn't it done that? I don't know. Well, they, none of them. Have. Well, here's why. I don't think they understand. I said this last week to someone. Too many people are looking internally mm -hmm. instead of externally. Example, you know, they've been focused on, I've got to become omni-channel. I've got to figure out how to get more people to my website. Well, that's like the Warriors going to play Cleveland in the N N NBA Finals and not caring about LeBron James, mm -hmm. but saying, let's improve our zone defense. Right. At some point, you got to say, LeBron's the challenge. we got to defend LeBron, right? Mm -hmm. People have to look at Amazon's the poster child. we got to beat sure. Amazon. Right, so we why don't they? Merchandising, speed. I got stores, I got all these tools. How do I do that to create a better experience for a customer than Amazon? Yeah. They don't, don't even know. copy Amazon. It's fascinating. No, they just let them, they I think they all. They literally don't even copy them. Like you, you have Facebook copying Snapchat every five minutes, pretty much. And yeah, they just have great scale. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and they're a great company. Amazon's so innovative, what they've done with the cloud, what they're doing with this walkout walking store. They're a really great company. And I think they're gonna get into logistics. They're going to get into all of that. That's fascinating. Robotics and logistics. Is no, they're unbelievably big. innovative. So they're a really big, tough competitor. So why don't retailers compete with them better? Or why do they, they either bemoan them or... See, I think it goes back to my experience at Penny's. Retailers have always been innovative on merchandising. Mm -hmm. Meaning a nice plate. Yeah, they know, how, a plate they know how to pretty. pick a beautiful plate. Right. The and buyers, put it next to a They snap might know cabinet. how to design a decent product. But when it comes down to everything else, they aren't very innovative. The store designs haven't changed much in the year. Location strategy hasn't changed. Technology hasn't changed. We still go to checkouts. Mm -hmm. Can you imagine going to cash register today? Why isn't the it. card a smart card? You right. put in your products, it knows what's in right. there, and you walk out the door. Yeah. You know, it's that kind of innovation that would take the friction out of shopping that would make stores more palatable. So why don't they? They will, but I think- Well, you know, I was just thinking this in the Apple store the other day. Yeah. I was, I was. they don't know who I am when I walk in, and I wish they would. That's that, Why didn't, why don't they know who I am? Like They couldn't. Uh, exactly. No, before I was leaving, that was our number one program. They still don't. Yeah, no, we want, I want you to walk in and say, who it's are my Karen. friends at the Apple store? Right. You know, I've worked with Matt when I had my Mac repaired. I worked with Mary when I bought my iPod. Mm -hmm. And I can walk in and I know if Mary's working or Matt's working. And I want Matt and Mary to know Kara's here. But not just that Kara's here. Because Kara's here. I bought yeah. through our companies. Like yeah. I was just thinking, I was sitting in there the other day and 
I've bought at least $100,000 of equipment. It's got to be, like, if you add it all up over the years and years and years. And through my business and personally, like, a lot of money spent at Apple. And then there's this kid, like, sexting over to the right and something I want to look at. I'm like, why does he get to do that and get the same amount of attention? I'm I'm happy. He can go do that if he wants. Or or someone's doing their email. And I like that experience for people, but why aren't I getting extra special attention? It should ping them the minute. It should. I agree. So stores should, all stores should do that. Well, they might be working on that. You know, Apple, see, Apple can do things others can't. Mm -hmm. Like in 2005, we introduced what we called Easy Pay Checkout. You didn't mm-hmm. have a register. Right, because they knew who you were. Yeah, but we, you know, everyone at Apple Store had a credit card. Mm-hmm. We already had built-in Wi-Fi networks That's to right. do the store. So, and you trust them. And people bought one or two items, so you didn't need a big cash wrap. You could just walk up anywhere. So we had reasons why we could do that. Mm-hmm. But everyone should have mobile checkout. Right. Or know who you are, especially if you But I agree with you. I think you should be able to opt in that I want, when I walk in the Apple store, I want the people to know I I'm here. I want a parade. I want a little, I want I a want little a, glass of wine. I want a standing I want, ovation. I know, yeah. exactly. Depending, they like, that. yeah, they should do that. But, but what about the idea of stores being bigger or smaller? We had the Walmart, Doug McMillan, on stage mm-hmm. at Code two years ago. Sure. And he came because he was really confused about what was going on and wanted to meet all the digital uh-huh. people. And one of the things he said I thought was really striking on stage is maybe we don't need... 100,000, 200,000 foot, square foot stores. Maybe we need a 10,000 square foot store, which I thought was, people didn't really pay attention, but I was mm-hmm. having covered retail. I was blown away by the repercussions of that idea. Like right. that Walmart does not have to be this massive warehouse experience. Right. That it was much smaller. And I was thinking the repercussions on work, on real estate, mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. trucking, on ding, 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 ding. You just, like the whole industry changes really drastically mm-hmm. in that case. Do you see that? Do you Absolutely, see that? So because what? the world's, what's the world doing? It's going to cities. Mm-hmm. Everyone's going to live in cities. Mm-hmm. They're getting dense, they're getting more interesting, the transportation's changing. So Walmart needs a store for different environments. Right, but do they, so they need should those have a kit big of stores? They still need some big stores, sure. Because? Because that's part of what makes them great. You know, if you're in rural America, mm-hmm. the idea of going to one big store where I can get my groceries and all my stuff and I've driven 10 miles. What about having good. it all delivered to you? Well, not it's not going to happen in rural America because you can't afford to deliver. Uh-huh. Remember, delivery is primarily a thing for cities mm-hmm. and suburbs. It doesn't extend beyond certain trade areas mm-hmm. for all these things. So you're going to need big stores, you need small stores, and you need great stores. And they have to all be integrated. And they're a part of your life. And you'll have stores where you work. Walmart should have stores near where you work. They should have stores near where you live. Mm-hmm. They should have stores near where you play. Or where you buy and then it delivers to your home, yeah, too. Yeah. Like that they you can do that. Pay extra. So what about others getting into delivery when you see, like, the Googles and the others? I think it's a really – I, I think we're all learning it's a really tough business. Because? It's hard to make money. Because mm-hmm. if you have to get a product – and get it somewhere, and it's low price, there's not a lot of margin to be made. Mm -hmm. And I don't think people are going to pay a lot of money for that. Mm -hmm. At some point, they'll just say, I'll go to the store. And eventually, the stores will get convenient. They'll fix the checkout thing. They'll do the click and collect where it's easy to pick up. So you're not ever going to get a premium to deliver. The only way delivery will work, really, is if it's free. And that's why we're doing Enjoy. You know, Mm -hmm. we're free, and we're fast, and we're helpful. So we, like a good specialty store work with a group of products that have enough economic margin to allow, just them to to allow it. And, but and have this need and have a need. And have a need. So if right. there's a need and there's economics, you got a chance. So what does the store of the future look like from your perspective? They, they're different. Uh, you're obviously, they're totally different. Right. They are, but they're what all... What are the main things they need to change? Checkout and transaction? Well, you got to get rid of all checkout. Mm-hmm. You know, that should be easy to do with technology today. So your phone You just, walk in, you know who you are, you walk out, we know what you walked out with. Mm-hmm. So you got to eliminate checkout. Mm-hmm. Then you've got to find a way to... Uh, get the content in the store to be really unique. You know, mm-hmm. it's got to be special. You got to carry things that are different than you find elsewhere. And then you've got to create such an, as and engage. Well, it's like because specialty stores has, have seen ups and downs. They have, but the reality they're kind of me too. The product isn't that special, you know. Mm-hmm. But no, that, that it's also true. The new specialty stores are doing great. Such as H and M, Zara, yeah. Massimo mm-hmm. Dutti. Mm-hmm. You know, the hard thing is people are always looking for the next thing. Mm-hmm. So young kids they don't want to wear what their parents wore. So it's really hard for a specialty store to last generation to generation. Absolutely. And uh, and I think that's part of the problem. But the new ones. They seem pretty popular. You know, Uniqlo's done a pretty good job. Well, you know what? They're not too fashion conscious. They are fashion conscious, but not too much. So not too much. I, I remember one years ago in Washington that I wrote about, and it was a hot, hot, hot store, and I'm blanking on the name of it, but it was hot, 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 and it was a big stock market, huge stock market right. valuation. And literally, they got culottes wrong yeah. one year. 
And that was the, that was the end of it. It was fascinating. It was so fashion oriented for teens that it just they missed three or four trends, and that was right. the end of that. And then they weren't cool. And then it was done and done. Yeah. And the stores have to improve the logistics. They shouldn't have the goods show right to the floor, and they shouldn't have too many. And they've got to speed their turns. And mm-hmm. there's a lot do you, you have need to do. People, do you need salespeople? Yeah. Well, I think what you want to do is get rid of people eliminate the transactional things like the people at checkout mm-hmm. and redeploy them on the floor so Which they can Which it's Amazon's help. trying to do with their yeah. things. They're yeah. trying to have people who help you with I mean, if you walk into a Walmart or Target, all the people are those red shirts at the register. How mm-hmm. many people do you see in the floor? Right, telling you about And if things. they're doing anything, they're stocking the shelves. Yeah, exactly. Right? So you got to solve, redeploy people to value-added functions. So when we're finishing up, talk to me about what you think, who's doing some great things. Like if you had to go through a bunch of, of people, if you had to go through... Who would you say who's doing amazing things, both offline and online retailers? Oh, I think I think some of the online specialists are doing a really nice job. Such as? Like Everline's carved out a little yep. niche. Warby Parker, mm-hmm. Bonobos. Boy, but is then that a great all experience. These, Warby but, Parker is a great experience. But there are all these other ones like Mack Weldon specialized in men's underwear, and it's mm-hmm. unbelievable. Yeah. Right? So a lot of the special category niche Online retailers, I think, are doing a beautiful job. Able Great to be merchandising. Profitable? I think they will. Well, the problem is scale. Mm-hmm. It's hard to make money online until you get over a hundred million dollars. Right. That was nasty girls. That problem. was yeah. They never. Could. You know, they got to eighty million, a hundred million, but then they couldn't quite get over the hump. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's the challenge. Were going into retail stores a problem for them? Was that a no? Mistake? That was actually a good thing. The stores were incredibly productive. Mm-hmm. Right. They just got over their skis on price points. They got their price points too high for their customer, mm-hmm. and there isn't a lot of room for air on that. Right. Um, and that was the big issue for nasty gal. Um, but there are a lot of people doing well, and. Um, You've seen some non-hits, though. Like, there have been a lot. Got, there are more non-hits there, than like, hits. Like, I just had a breakfast with Michael Dubin from Dollar Shave Club. He sold. Yeah, 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 yeah. So did Jet. They sold. Honest. It's not clear what's happening to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you look at those? Because a lot of them are, are, I would say, I wouldn't say uh, the Dollar Shave Club was a m- mistake because they did sell for that enormous amount of money. At the same time, they, they knew they couldn't get to the next level. It's hard to get to the next level, but mm-hmm. there are a lot of big consumer packaged goods brands that want a new thing to grow. Right. You know, and that's what, like, Honest, I think Honest Tea, is it? Honest. No, Honest. 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 And then there's Coke. Honest Tea was another thing. That was yeah. that was a product. That a product, was... but, you know, Coke buys these people up and mm-hmm. P&G will so buy them up. I think there will be a lot of acquisition of people who want to build these young brands. Because mm-hmm. remember, you're targeting a segment. Right. The millennial like loves Everlane these brands. Is, the millennials yeah. love these brands. That's, that's Target's big issue, I think. Mm-hmm. That they, they, they don't No, the, the big issue thing. for Target to me mm-hmm. that hasn't been talked a lot about is – they used to own the young mom. Mm-hmm. Every young person wanted to shop at Target. Get your baby stuff. Get your baby stuff. Get your kids' clothes. Mm-hmm. That customer is the online customer. Mm-hmm. That goes to Everlane. They the go same to thing with the Gap. And so as those people Think about grow, the Gap. As they grow up, they're not going to be going to that Target bubble. Mm-hmm. And so Target's number one issue is not merchandise and food in Canada. It's how do they recapture the young mom, which is their mm-hmm. core customer base? Mm-hmm. Walmart always had the value seeker and still does, mm-hmm. and Walmart's competing well. I think Target's losing the young mom. Right, and so when you look at where it's going, you think Amazon is just going to continue to barrel They're going to they're going to grow. I mean, they grew twenty six percent last quarter. Mm-hmm. Imagine a you're an old retailer, mm-hmm. twenty two years old. You're eighty billion dollars, and you comp twenty six percent. Never been done. Twenty six percent in three years is over. 80. It's a double. Mm-hmm. Right. So there'll be a $160 billion commerce player in the U.S. in three years. Right. $80 billion is the size of the entire U.S. department store industry. So what do you do if you're a manufacturer of goods? You've got you to try re- to get out of Walmart. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I were a manufacturer, I would say, do I really want to be there? But I'm not going to let it get above a certain share. Mm-hmm. Because the history is filled. When, when people get big, they tend to get greedy. They tend to get powerful. Mm-hmm. Steve used to say, the reason we're going to beat you know, the PC, we're going to beat the PC industry, is they're pigs, right? <laughs> you know? He used to say, Intel and Windows have all the profit. Yeah. You know? And none of the and, value. And none of the value. And, you know? Yeah, so bigness tends to be dangerous, and so, so you never want to get too much. What's the mistake Amazon will make? I think their biggest mistake is if they don't really take care of all of their stakeholders. Mm-hmm. I think they care deeply about their customers, and I think they care deeply about themselves. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much they value their manufacturing partners. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and the art of business is treating all stakeholders well. Mm-hmm. I think the great companies, the reward of great service is a profit 
Mm-hmm. And you've got to serve your customers, you've got to serve your employees, you've got to serve your partners. Mm-hmm. And if you do all those well, you're probably going to have a great business. So I think Amazon's biggest risk is they become greedy. Mm-hmm. Just like the others. Just like the others. Pigs, yeah, right? yeah, I think so. Anyway, on that note, Ron, I just one last story. I, I always ask everybody what mistake they made that they wish they hadn't or they learned from. And it doesn't have to be a learning experience in one of those shows. But I think a lot of entrepreneurs, you're obviously entrepreneurs. You're still entrepreenuring. You're yeah. doing something else. You can't help yourself. If you had to give a piece of advice or something, usually people learn through mistakes. It doesn't have to be mistakes. Maybe something you did incredibly well. Yeah, like, my advice, like the, the big mistake I made, if you look back at my career, is probably going to pennies. Mm-hmm. It also became my best learning experience. Mm-hmm. So the key is when you make a mistake, get out. Quick. Move. Go to the next thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's true, I think, when you're young in a relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, it's true in life. Right. If you make a mistake, like some people have been doing at work lately, doing something they shouldn't do with yeah. an employee. Yeah. You know, admit it, acknowledge it, clean up, move on. You know, so I think the key here when you make a mistake and you, we all make good decisions, we all make bad decisions, you know, fit issues, move on. You know, be honest with yourself and fix it. Fix it. And that's true with business decisions, that's Mm -hmm. true with career decisions. You know, you're going to make mistakes, learn and move. But keep moving. Where would Steve Jobs be today? What would he be doing? Oh, Steve would still be running Apple. He loved Apple so much. I mean, that was his. His life was his family, yeah. who he loved, and Apple. Yeah. And those were his twin loves, and he'd, he'd still be loving them to death. Yeah, yeah. He designed better ear, earbuds, I'm sure. That. <laughs> <laughs> I still like them, but they're still pretty ugly. Anyway, Ron, thank you so much. It's been a fascinating conversation. We're here with Ron Johnson. He's one of the creators of the Apple stores. He worked at Target and JCPenney, and also has a new company called Enjoy, which is what is Last Mile service it's a, yeah it's it's just come fix my stuff well it's the first smart last mile you know i wanted to send walt around as a tv show him showing up at people's <laughs> houses and fixing and yelling at them right. and stuff like that that would be a hysterical tv show anyway thank you so much i really appreciate you coming by thank you if you enjoyed the interview as much as i did be sure to subscribe to the show be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes including some really fantastic interviews i've done with rent the runway ceo jennifer hyman benchmark investor bill Gurley, and aol co-founder ted leonsis just to name a few all those interviews and more are at recode.net slash decode now that you're done with this why not try one of our other podcasts recode media with peter kafka comes out every thursday on fridays i host too embarrassed to ask along with lauren good of the verge And on Recode Replay, you can find audio from our events like the Code Conference, Peter Kafka's Code Media, and Jason Del Rey's Code Commerce. Thanks for listening. Thanks also to Digital Media, which distributes the show. This has been another episode of Recode Decode. Remember to subscribe to the show and leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Recode Decode. I'll be back here on Monday with another great guest. Tune in then. For companies to succeed today, they need builders, and builders need tools that allow them to innovate. The problem is most cloud vendors don't offer the range of tools builders are looking for. Amazon Web Services is a leading cloud service provider giving builders the reliability and security they need. AWS pioneered cloud computing over 10 years ago to help any business from the small startups to the biggest global enterprises create their own applications and manage their workloads. By listening to what customers want, AWS is adding more features and services than any other cloud provider while consistently reducing prices. So if you'd rather focus on creating a business instead of an infrastructure, check out podcast.aws. Learn how AWS can help you build a better future today and let builders build.